Let's turn to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, it is a blessing to be in this, your house, and be gathered around your word. Lord, it's been a blessing to spend time here today, to spend time looking into your word, to spend time around uh, lunch tables, uh, interacting, having a few laughs, having some lighthearted conversations, having some very serious conversations, all of which is part of who you want us to be, to carry and share one another's burdens and to be together as we walk this pilgrimage below. Now, Lord, as we look into your word one more time, we ask that you would be the teacher, that you would inspire and speak to each of us in our own place as you uh, do to us, Lord. We're thankful that the message can be individualized to each of us by your spirit and is not hindered by one person speaking. For this, we thank you and we pray that you would be with us now, help us to be attentive, and that you would speak to us personally. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12. With God's help, I'd like to read the chapter. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we, (coughs) excuse me, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affectioned one to another in brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of, the saint, of saints given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep, be of the same mind one toward another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate, be not wise in your own conceit, conceits, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I've read the entire chapter. 
I can't tell you how exciting it is to stand here on an afternoon like this and in all due respect and appreciate all those that are online this afternoon. But when I look at the crowd here today, I'm going to say those under 17 outnumber us two to one, which is really exciting and I'm very thankful for. And, and for those of you younger people that weren't here this morning, were in Sunday school, we were talking about hospitality and how important it is uh, for us to interact with people from our circles and our church and also our community. And I think it's really good and exciting that young people are here this afternoon as well because this same principle applies to you just like us adults. As you interact in your day-to-day school lives, there's people, there's kids in school that need Jesus' love just as much as the adults that we interact with. And you have a unique opportunity to do that and to be that light in the place that God has placed you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be some great grand thing. Just be who God made you to be and share the love that Jesus teaches us to share and who he was. And you will have an impact on the world around us. The world and the younger generation, the sort of millennial and younger generation are out there to change the world. And sometimes us old people chuckle at that and kind of poo-poo that a little bit. But the reality is the love of Jesus, the power that is in his name can and will change the world. Use it, share it, show others, show others what he has done for you and in your families. You have a very unique, um, you live a very unique life in the blessing of growing up knowing about Jesus what he's done for us. Lots of people, you know, don't have that advantage. Maybe God will use you to share that with others. And as we think about it, the the history of the Apostolic Christian Church, if we go back, I think we could, we would easily be able to trace and establish the fact that hospitality was a big part of who we are. Just this, I remember growing up and, you know, telling people at school, you know, we're, we're going on a trip, we can't acquire a trip or something. And, and, you know, they were interested. So where are you going to stay? And like, we're staying at some people's houses. And, well, who's, what people are? I don't know yet. We're going to find out. And that was such a mind-blowing experience for them to realize that we could travel across the country. When, when I was a kid, we even traveled to Florida and California once with our choir. And to think that we could get on a plane, 50 of us on the same plane, and travel to California and stay for a week with people who we didn't know yet. I mean, they had to go to work. It's one thing to go on a weekend even, but they went to work Monday morning and left us with the key to their house so we could come and go as we pleased. This was just a mind-blowing idea to them. But for us, it was kind of normal. I mean, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal because we grew up with this. And as we think about this idea of our history, I really want to encourage all of us to, to make a concerted effort, with God's help, of course, to carry on this rich tradition, this heritage that we have of being hospitable to people that we come in contact with, whatever and wherever that might be. We want to be known as a church of hospitality. We want to be known as a church where people know each other, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Real relationship isn't just sharing the nice things about ourselves with others. Real relationship is being real. As I say that, I remember a scenario that happened back at Sydney Street 
in Kitchener, the church there, there was a neighbor kind of in the back of the parking lot. And, you know, with a, a bursting church, uh, after services were over, it wasn't always the quietest outside. The kids were out just being kids. Uh, people were visiting. And we had one neighbor back there that just, she wasn't unreasonable in a sense, but she let us know that she didn't necessarily appreciate the big crowd. The quiet backyard that she thought she had when she moved there as a church wasn't exactly that way. It wasn't a Sunday morning. She'd have to put up with a few people and then they'd go home. This was, there was, there was, there was always something going on. And I remember one Sunday night, you know, probably 20 after nine or so, uh, happening to step back in church or something and the phone rang and I grabbed the church, I grabbed the phone, excuse me, and it was this neighbor complaining about the noise out back. And her response, I will never forget uh, as long as I live, she said, I don't know what's with you people. She said, I've been going to church for 50 years. You go, you worship, and you leave. You people don't go home. And I, I'm like, how do I respond kindly? And yet at the same time, and I finally said, ma'am, all due respect, we don't want to be one of those churches. We want people to interact. I'm sorry if it's a little noisy. I'll ask her people to try to keep it down a bit. But it was just, we have a heritage and a history of, of interaction. I mean, I'll never forget when we were looking at building Strasbourg one Sunday afternoon, a few of us from the building committee, we literally walked to, through probably 10 different churches. And um, it's, it's interesting, I, as an introvert, would never have the guts to do this alone. I sort of followed in Brother Rick's tales. He has the guts to do these things. We literally just walked in the door and started looking around. It was Sunday afternoon, the doors were open. Half of the churches, Nobody ever came and asked who we were and what we were doing there. The other, some of them were like uneasy and didn't know how to deal with us. And then when we explained, you know, we're looking at building a, a new building and just won't mind if we look around a bit just sort of for ideas. They were, they were nice enough. And then there was half of the churches, which as we looked around, we're like, there's something missing here. And there's no coat racks. They don't, they wear their coats in the sanctuary. So they come, they worship and they leave. And for us, it was like, well, you've got to take your coat off. It's more than just about, I think Brother Eric said in the, in the closing this morning, it's more about just a place to go and then leave. It's about relationships and building relationships. The world we live in tells us to be independent. The world we live in says you can do it on your own. You got here by yourself and you don't need anybody to help you. And according to the scripture, nothing could be farther from the truth. We need each other. Our lives are so much richer and better and more stable when we have each other. We all have highs and lows and ups and downs. And hopefully we offset each other. And when we have real honest relationships with each other, we can help each other through those times. The human experience, like I said, is about relationships. We're not robots. And me, as a logical guy, I sometimes tease Jenny, I wish there was just no emotions, just logic. I mean, if it makes sense, do it. Yeah, that might work, and it might be easier, but it'd be a pretty bland experience, wouldn't it? If it was all just yes, no, on, off, what's the point of living? But it is the emotions and the relationships that brings a richness to the lives that we enjoy that God has given to us. Even if we're... Uh, sort of more introvert style type of person and we like to be by ourselves, and that's how God made some of us there's nothing wrong with that but even then you will find I think we found in the last couple of years it doesn't take long until even those people those of us 
find out, wait, there's something missing when I can't interact with people. It's who God made us to be. But the world we live in tells us to just, you know, go in our little, our little place and pull up the moat, <laughs> the bridge, and you got the moat around it, and it's your little safe place, your home. Hospitality, inviting people into that castle of ours, so to speak, is saying, I care. Hospitality is about saying, what I have is yours. In some ways, the opposite of hospitality is indifference. I don't care about you. What's mine is mine and yours is yours, and we'll just go on our own separate way. Hospitality, real hospitality, is about, is about sharing what we have, whether it be much or whether it be little, whether it be perfect or imperfect, to share. The question is, do we care enough about the people around us to invite them into our personal space, into our castle, into our home? Are we willing to let them see us for who we are? Or do we have to be careful when we invite people in that space and you know, worry about the brand of Chris. I want you to see me in a certain way and I'm gonna be careful, I mean, social media is perfect for this. You only let others, others see the piece of you that you want them to see. Hospitality, when you open your doors, they get to see you and your family for who they are. That's not always what we'd prefer, but we're still working on it. That's why God put us together as a family. Hospitality is about creating relationships, even with younger people. We need to create, as parents, opportunities for our kids to interact with others, to build those relationships. Uh, we talk about this regularly at home. It's, it's difficult for our young people when they're in school and they don't have that many friends there and really, really close friends. And that's painful and real. But the flip side of that is it's an okay thing. Our best friends should be here around God's word in our churches where we have that common foundation, where we can draw together and be strong and then go out and be the light to the world that we live in. Like I said this morning, are we willing to invite them into our unpolished, raw, personal spaces? I think we've all been in places uh, this may be a home in some ways that you know, is what we're talking about, but even other places where you go in and it's so perfect that you actually feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's so perfect that it feels a little unreal. And you're looking around saying, come on, you can't live like this all the time. And I would suggest that's not what people want when they come to our homes. They would want real. I would suggest that real is better than perfect. Be real, be who God made us to be, and be okay. Be humble enough to admit we're not there yet. Things aren't the way I would prefer them to be sometime, but this is me. Welcome to our place. When we share hospitality one with another, when we spend time together, we're removing boundaries that are between us. These distinctions, these groups, when we invite people into our space or we go into other space, I'm, I'm worrying most of this about coming into our space, we have more control over that in a sense. But the flip side works too. When people invite us into their space, we also need to make time and make an effort and maybe give up something we had planned to have time to let them share with us as well. When we practice hospitality, when we have people in our personal space, what's mine is no longer mine, it's ours. 
it's ours. We become family. And at least for the moment, strangers become friends and family. What more blessed thing could there be than to share God's love and God's blessings and God's riches with our fellow mankind? This afternoon, we read Romans 12, you know, Christian living, lots of Lots of good things to do, not to do, uh, real practical uh, type of chapter. Maybe that's because that's why it's one of my, my uh, sort of favorite types of chapters. It's, there's no reading between the lines. It, it is what it is. There's what God is asking us to do. And as we, as we read through this in verse 13, I think it was, there's just, again, this little line given to hospitality. It's in among all these I would think important things to do. I don't know how else to word that. That might be the wrong way to word it. But there's this little line about given to hospitality. And we look, as we look at the whole list, and we'll go through some of them, as you look at them, so many of these can be applied and executed and done around our dinner tables. You know, if there's one, there's one common need that is across the board of humankind, doesn't matter what skin color, doesn't matter what age, gender, culture, time, we all need to eat. And you know, and I know that when you try to talk to somebody, you start with something in common, your interests, whatever, we all need to eat. Why not use this opportunity to start building bridges, to start inviting people to get to know us, and by extension, we call ourselves Christians, by extension, to get to know Christ. We can, in our personal spaces, when we have people, we can certainly prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If we practice hospitality with humility, we are, not, we are thinking nothing of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We are sharing. We are equal. We are sharing with each other. We are bringing many members, and as we go through the chapter, we're bringing many members of the body with different gifts together. We certainly can minister or teach, exhort, give, be cheerful to each other, each others as we do that. It says, live peaceably with all men. What a better way is there than to build bridges than to sit around a dinner table and consume of the bounty and goodness that God has given to us. I would suggest if there's people, especially if there's brothers and sisters that we're maybe having a hard time seeing eye to eye with, probably one of the best ways to help start overcoming rebuilding those bridges is to sit around the meal table together. Maybe at first it's just to enjoy being together, enjoy good food, work on that relationship, and build those bridges and live peaceably with all men. It says rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. When we spend time together. The whole range of issues and topics and feelings and hurts and joys, eventually, if we're real and honest with you, they come to the surface and we can share them in a, in a non-threatening way of, of mutual respect and carrying one another's burdens. And we can weep with those that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. As we look through this list, there are so many that we can practically apply and do and follow the will of God when we create time, space for the opportunity to share his love. 
And as I look at the list and, and what God wants us to do with this, I see two different areas that God asks us to be active in. One is, is to fill the needs, I don't know how to word this, fill the needs around us and share the love of Jesus with those that don't know him yet. The society we live in, if you were to go to even, I'm gonna say people you know and know well, if you were to ask 50 people that you know reasonably well and that know you to come to next weekend with the sing here, if, if, if one or two came, you probably would be doing okay. The world we live in is not particularly open to searching for God and acknowledging that they need a savior. They won't necessarily walk in the doors of these churches. That doesn't mean we shouldn't try, I'm not saying that. But they will come to our homes. They will come to our homes and we can bring the church to them. It was in the, in the prayer this morning. We need to bring it to them and let them into, you know, we often refer to our homes as, as an embassy for Christ. How often are the doors of the embassy open is the question. How often are they open? Luke 14, 12 to 14 says, Then said he also to them that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and recompense be made to thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. It is a biblical commandment to reach out to those around us, to bring them in. We talked about Hebrews this morning when it talked about Abraham. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained no angels unawares. We don't know. And what a privilege. When you think about Abraham, I don't know, I'm trying to remember the, the account, if he realized who they were, now my mind is going blank. That may be an obvious thing, but sometimes we recognize it, but I would say usually we don't recognize that God sent somebody to us for us to, to provide for and to show hospitality, to show love for. We have an opportunity. I shared, I, I think, with Eric this morning. You know, we had some neighbors over, and the one man that was over is, is, is about as vile as it gets. You, you know, you mentioned Jesus in one or two times that, you know, he, the things he said, you know, everything in me just prickled and wanted to, you know, respond to his statements. But I realized now was not the time. But he was in our home at our dinner table, sitting at the other end of the table with a reasonably clean pair of jeans on, uh, being a, a lot more... Um, kind than I maybe expected. I don't know what the right way to word that is. But as it was, it was neat, I was sitting at the other end of the table from him. As we're just visiting and get to know each other a bit, I can see him looking at me and his eyes darting and reading the Bible verses on the walls. I thought, you know what? That's good. We have the fruit of the Spirit, uh, a stencil on our wall, and he's reading these. I don't know how much Bible this man reads. I mean, he knew about Jesus the time we went over there, and it wasn't a very nice interaction. But he saw there's a Bible verse on the, on the chalkboard on the other side of the wall. We can bring the word to them. And yes, the conversation, and that's, the, that's always the challenge, the, the Mary Martha thing, how, how much time and how do we turn these conversations to more important things than the weather and the farm and whatever. But we have to start by building relationships. 
and showing these people that we care about them and we can be kind to them in spite of the fact that they have, uh, how do I word it, that they say things about our Lord that we do not appreciate. We can look past that and love them as people and we're willing to have them in our home anyways. So that's one area I think we, we have an opportunity, especially in the society that we live, is to open our doors and bring our neighbors in. Show them who we are, even though it's not perfect. Even though there's awkward moments in our families, there's interactions, and we, it's, a, it, it's messy business. But that's okay, because I venture to say their life is messy too. Somehow we think everybody else has it figured out except for me. The other sort of half of the equation is to build relationships and to encourage each other and carry each other's burdens in the body of Christ. Galatians 6.10, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The Bible is full of verses. Hebrews 10.25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see, so much the more as you see the day approaching. And that's not just here in the not just forsaking the assembly of the church. Of course, that's what it's talking about. And of course, we should be here when the doors are open. But like I, I think I said this morning, you know, if the only time we rub shoulders is here in this building, I would suggest we're missing out on a lot of blessings, a lot of help that we can give each other, and a lot of joy that we can share one with another in building and deepening those relationships. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also as ye do. There is just so much richness, so much depth that the relationships with our brothers and sisters Bring. I think about our physical families. I mean, at once we sort of got through the teenage years where we're not so sure we liked each other that much. Once we were adults, we found out I really like my brothers and sisters. And we can really bring something to the table for each other. We enjoy looking, we look forward to seeing each other. And we're not all the same. And we don't see everything eye to eye. And we're not perfect. But still, there's something special about family that nothing else can replace. And we, by extension, as the family of Jesus Christ, have such a beautiful, diverse, I mean, some of this is what the world talks about we should be trying to do, but we do have a diverse family of different people and cultures, and there's just so much more. And, and our own narrow way of thinking is broadened a little bit by, by speaking with others and getting to know each other, being real with each other. Even if we don't necessarily see everything exactly the same, there's always a perspective that others bring that we hadn't thought of, that we hadn't thought of. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that we should provoke one another to love and to good works. And I want to literally do that this afternoon, as I did in Ancaster when I first shared what God has laid on my heart. You know, we found as a family that, I think we've been going to Ancaster for 12, 12-ish years, I hate to admit it, but there was some, it's not that big of a church either, but there was some, and there is, there are some members of the church that we haven't had in our home. 
I mean, in 12 years, there's only 30-some members. That's not that tall of an order. But we hadn't done that. Not because we didn't like some people or we were avoiding some people, because we weren't deliberate about it. We weren't intentional about it. So this is something we need to work on. We had lived in our neighborhood for 17 years-ish, and we live in the country, so I can make excuses. You don't really bump into people on the sidewalk, and maybe drives in their long driveways and they're gone. Unless it's intentional, unless it's deliberate, you won't meet them. I'd say for the first 10, 12 years, something like that, that we lived there, we knew two of our neighbors, the ones that were closest to us, that, and actually both of them actually made an, an effort to reach out to us now that I think about it, and that's how we got to know them a little bit. But that's, God, God sent us into this world to be a light to the world. If we never see them, if we never interact with them, how are we doing that? It's the realization we came to. And it's funny how, you know, we, we quote the, word, the, the Bible verse often, God works, is it a Bible verse? No, I'm not even sure. You know, God works in mysterious ways. Uh, let me tell you, some of the ways that God has used in the last few years to introduce us to our neighbors is out of this world. I mean, it's crazy. But it works. We connect with people. For us, it was our little farm and started with getting to know some people that knew more than we did about what we were doing and they were willing enough to share and now people are calling and saying, we have an animal, can you, can you take care of it? Whatever, it's connections. It's connections with the world around us and it's connections of people that are interested. You know, standing on the street corner I think you're going to have limited success. I'm, I'm sure there's a time and a place. But when people are calling you and asking you into their home, or you are calling them into your home, there's a connection. There's, there, there's a vested interest. There's sacrifice that's made. And you might just get some traction. They're interested. What about you? How well do you know the members in your own church. I mean, like I said this morning, I, I love the smaller churches and that we, can, we do lunch together. That is a huge uh, benefit, I think, that we can spend time together. Although, of course, unless you're different than me, the challenge is to get past the weather and, and work and whatever and to get the real meaningful subjects and really get to know each other. You know, in Ancaster after lunch, we. We share answered prayers. We give an opportunity for people to share what prayers God has answered this week for them. It's been a real blessing. But I said, you know, we have real relationship. When we could open it up for sharing and say, who wants to share in areas that they failed this week? How many takers would we have? Would I be willing to stand up and say, God gave me this opportunity and I failed, I didn't take it? Or in this situation, I let the pressure of the moment uh, convince me, talk me into answering a question in a way that I'm not very proud of. Whatever it might be, how many takers would we have if we said, would anybody like to share their failures this week? That's when we have real relationship. What about your neighbors? What opportunities have you taken to share the love of God with them. And it might just start by being kind and nice and loving. Are your neighbors willing 
to call you? Would it cross their mind to call you if they were in a pinch? Can you help me? Do we know them well enough that if in a pinch they would drop off their kid at our house and trust us? Or don't we know them well enough that they wouldn't have that trust? How many strangers have you allowed yourself to come in contact with to let your light shine? This is not about us, like I said this morning. It's not about entertaining. It's not about showing them what I have. It's not about showing how good of a cook someone in my house is or how organized my place is or whatever. It's not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus and being who he was to us, to them. It will not happen on its own. It will not happen overnight. We need to be deliberate. We need to be intentional. Make a list, whatever you need to do. Maybe there's some that you might just be able to have over once and just because, I mean, if you start making a list, you're gonna be a little overwhelmed. There's a lot of people that God could use to have us reach. Maybe there's some you can only have once and lots of time might go by. Maybe there's others that God convicts you to have a little bit more regularly and develop a bit of a relationship, supply a need, I don't know. I have had a prayer in the last six months that I would like to ask you to join me in. And that prayer is that God would help us to make the Apostolic Christian Church a church known for their hospitality, a church known for relationships, not just a place to worship, but that we're together, a church known for family, We'd call it the body of Christ. Let's work on it. Let's ask God to show us, to give us direction. It does take time. It does take effort. There is a price to pay. But let's not forget the other side of the the coin. The blessings are out of this world. No pun intended. It really is. We may have an impact on somebody that has an impact for eternity. Not us, but Jesus in us. This will look different to different people, to different times of our life. I remember when our kids were much smaller, the idea of having somebody over once a week or something would have just been overwhelming and absolutely out of the picture. There are seasons in life where we're limited. There are seasons in life where we can only do so much. But I would humbly suggest that even in those seasons, there are creative ways that we can do it. Maybe not as you know, perfect and as ideal as having a whole evening and making a meal and having people over. Maybe it's just throwing a frozen pizza in the oven and saying, it's okay, that's the best I can do right now. It's not about what we give people or what they see. It's about them seeing who we are. Maybe you're single and you don't have a place of your own or you have a very small apartment. Well, you can still have one person, but even going somewhere with somebody. I remember as a young, as a young brother, you know, I, I was going through some challenges. But there was a few other brothers who also uh, were, were single and didn't have a place of their own. But we would spend time, I won't tell you how many plates of fries I ate at Swish LA because we'd just go and talk. But we were there for each other. I'd like to hope that it probably went both ways. But it's going to look different for different people at different times. And it's, the quantity is going to be different at different times for people, and that's okay. 
That's okay. Maybe it's at lunchtime here. We're at church anyways at lunchtime. Maybe for some of you people, it's in school. You know, look for the kid that's alone. Look for the new person that could use somebody that's nice and loving and is just human. So much of the world we live in, they all just push away at somebody that's a little bit different or that's alone for some reason. Nobody knows why, but they're not popular. And if you're the not popular one, be thankful for that too. It will also save you from a lot of heartache. The, I was gonna almost ask Brother Eric to, to stop this morning in his closing comments because he was stealing all my thunder. The events of the last couple of years have shown us how important relationships are. The events of the last few years, I can say if one of the lessons that I personally learned that really surprised me was how delicate our relationships really are. You know, they seem good and strong while we all see things exactly the same way. But the shocking thing was, and this is for me as well as others, I'm not pointing fingers, how hard it was for me to look at people the same way that thought of things differently than I did. And that's, that's pretty, pretty honest here. I'm not gonna say I was, I'm proud of all the thoughts I had towards others who saw some of these issues differently than I did. But that shows me that there's work to be done. It shows me that going back to what it was before the pandemic is not good enough. It shows me that there's, thankfully, things are a little bit more sort of uh, leveled out now, ironic, being lots of people are away today with, uh, with COVID, but the restrictions, and we can get together. We have, a, we have a bit of a lull here. I don't know if the next thing is gonna be COVID or something else, that's not the point. But we have a lull between these that we need to work on building relationships to strengthen those. The reality is when these difficult things come and there's a bit of tension and we don't, nobody knows the right and the wrong, some of these, we can't tell the future. And there is, a, there is a, some stress on relationships and we try to you know, not let it get to us, but we're human, it affects us. We need to build strong relationships now while we have the opportunity that when these difficult things come and when the teenage years come, that we can, we can ride through that difficult storm. There's gonna be some, some damage, some hurt, but that we can come out the other side stronger than before, or that we can come out the other side as intact relationships. You can say we don't have much time, and that's true, but I would suggest we can't afford not to take hold of the opportunity while we have it. And there's lots of different ways that we can build those relationships. But for me, one that God has really, really impressed on me and our family is to use hospitality, to use the gifts that he has given us, to use the place that he has given us, to use whatever, our children, our animals. I mean, the animals make connections, it's crazy, like I said, but it's a common interest. We're hopefully gonna have some lambs this, this week. And people have, I mean, we keep telling people, you call us to see if we, if we have had the lambs yet because we can't remember who all wants to come. Everybody likes to hold a little baby lamb that's two days old. Whatever, that's not the end, that's the means to the end, to build relationships and people and family that we don't necessarily interact with much want to come. Now the challenge and the prayer I will ask of you is that we can turn those opportunities into 
action for him. Not just about me, not just to be nice, not just to entertain people, but to, to share God's love, to tell others about him, and to share that he is there for them as well. So the question I want to leave with all of us is very simple. Will we make time? Will we make time to make strangers friends and friends family? I hope so. Amen. I think I can say for everyone here that's gathered and probably for those online as well that we've been richly blessed today from the Lord's word. Very pointed message for us. Something that maybe we've taken for granted in the past. We can see now this is something that is under attack in this world and we are perhaps in danger of losing something that was once the hallmark of our denomination, of our brotherhood, that spirit of hospitality. Christ said it's going to be by the love that we have one for another that the world will know that we are his disciples. So the testimony of our love within the brotherhood is going to be a sign also to the world at large. There's a number of different scriptures that were running through my mind and permit me to just share one short section of a familiar scripture from John's gospel, <clears throat> the 14th chapter. Christ says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Southern gospel music has made a lot about those mansions. I think almost to the point of caricature. The point was never the mansions. The point was that we would be where he is. And that's the important point of hospitality that Brother Chris, I think, stressed for all of us, is that we bring people to where we are so that we can minister to them, so that they can see Jesus through us. My life is far from perfect. My house is far from perfect. I wish it were a little bit more put together. But there's only so many dollars in the bank account and so many hours in the day. But I realized <clears throat> a number of years ago, I think, as our girls started getting a little bit older and wanted to have people over, enjoyed that, that I'm not going to stand in the way of, I'm not going to let the, the, the disorder at home stand in the way of hospitality and of having those memories because I remember them from when I was a child. One of the things I've noticed with those that have grown away from our fellowship Things start to change, slowly at first. Perhaps the appearance is one of the first indications. Then the lifestyle starts to change. And then 
even that sense of hospitality disappears. I remember when I was <clears throat> young, the importance of guests and having guests was something that was stressed from a very early age. And we were to make the guests feel welcome, to, 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 to feel at home, to give them our best, even to give up things that we would have normally kept for ourselves, our own beds perhaps. But as we become more selfish, as the world works its way into our hearts, it becomes a little bit harder to give up those things. We need to return to serving God with an open hand, as was said before, that whatever he gives or whatever he requires goes freely from us. Not a counting of costs, not a how much is it gonna cost us to, in time or in money or whatever, to have so-and-so over or to have people over for the weekend. We're looking at it the wrong way. Christ himself spoke a parable. He talked about a man who realized that he couldn't keep what he had, so he used it. He used it. He called his Lord's debtors. So what does your bill say? And he, he, he had them each mark down their bills. And the reason given was that when these things fail, ye may be received into everlasting habitations. So the question is not, what does it cost you now? But what might it cost you in eternity if you don't use those things for him now in this world where you can't keep them anyway? We've received a lot to chew on today. I'm thankful that we had this opportunity to be here. And we, as we conclude now, we ask the Lord to dismiss all of us with his blessing. And for those that will be gathering in Richmond Hill, 630, the area sing begins. This will conclude our service. Amen. <laughs>